0: Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Monday, March 13th, and we start with local news. Around 1.30 a.m. on March 9th, Murray County Fire Department responded to a vehicle rollover with entrapment in the area of Lookout Road. Bystanders reported two people trapped inside the overturned vehicle, Responding units arrived on scene to discover the vehicle rolled over in a ditch. One victim was partially ejected through the window of the vehicle and the other victim was trapped inside. Firefighters stabilized the vehicle and began extrication. Within six minutes of extrication starting, firefighters freed both victims and delivered them to Murray Regional EMS for treatment. Both victims are expected to fully recover from the crash. A high-stakes battle over a private company's efforts to bring a large-scale trash disposal complex to a federally-designated Superfund site along the Duck River in Murray County is heading into yet another round. Louisiana-based Trinity Business Group first filed an application with the state in June for their proposed 1,300-acre waste complex in Murray County. The company used a permit process that required no immediate public notice, and their plans escaped attention for months. After an alert local resident noticed activity at the site and discovered the plans, county leaders sprang into action. The 5,000-acre property is the former home of the Monsanto Chemical Company, which mined phosphorus, manufactured fertilizer, and for a time, chemical warfare agents that has since received federal designation as a Superfund site due to hazardous materials lurking under the soil. The Murray County Commission enacted new zoning rules that limit all industrial activity within 1,000 feet of the Duck River. They also enacted the Jackson Law, a proactive measure Tennessee local governments can adopt to exert local control over any new or expanding landfills. Nearby, officials in the City of Columbia reviewed their own records, finding their own Jackson Law applied to the rural property. Local residents thought the fight was over. But Trinity Business Group isn't done. The company is now claiming that neither county zoning laws nor local Jackson laws apply to a new and even larger plan to install landfills in the rural property, according to a January letter to the county Solid Waste Board that, like their original plan, wasn't made public for months. We didn't know about this until a week ago, said Gail Moore, a longtime Murray County resident who is among those organizing opposition to the proposal. It's scaring us to death. The fact that Trinity believes they can disregard all the rules and regulations is, honestly, making us all crazy, she said. The company, which did not respond to a request for comment on Friday, now proposes to build two landfills on the property, one for household trash and a second for construction and demolition waste. Their plan also calls for accepting compost waste, metal salvage, old tires and other waste operations, along with a solar farm. The company describes plans for the so-called Star Hill Eco Park operation at the former Monsanto property as the ideal location at the perfect time. All of Middle Tennessee, including the Murray Marshall region, is on the verge of a waste disposal crisis due to facility closures that have either occurred or are soon to occur, the company's proposal says. The Star Hill Eco Park represents the perfect opportunity and timing to address the looming landfill crisis in the Marshall Murray region and in Middle Tennessee. The letter states, Trinity's new proposal argues that the property is exempt from local control that the Jackson Law imposes because it has long contained a small landfill. The Jackson Law applies to new landfills, new classes of landfills, and landfill expansions. And it argues that the property is exempt from the new local zoning rules keeping operations away from the Duck River because the state's nonconforming property act that protects ongoing industrial operations from being subject to new local laws. The company's letter also reminds the Marshall Murray County Municipal Solid Waste Planning Region Board that it only has the authority to deny the plan if it is inconsistent with a master solid waste planning document. The company argues that its plan is consistent, citing the need outlined in the master plan for future waste disposal options for county residents. The protracted dispute comes amidst ongoing questions in counties across Middle Tennessee about what to do with trash going forward. A battle in Rutherford County over Middle Point Landfill, which accepts household trash from a third of Tennessee's 95 counties, leaves uncertain where cities and counties will send their household trash in the future. A separate dispute between operators of Southern Services Landfill in North Nashville and city leaders has limited the destinations for construction debris. For local residents who rely on the Duck River for drinking water, agriculture, and recreation, the efforts to establish a 1,600-acre waste site in rural Murray County has raised environmental concerns. I don't want 38 counties worth of trash being trucked into Murray County to a Superfund site next to the Duck River said Stephanie Sparks Newland, a public school teacher who has lived in Murray County for three decades. I get it. They see where the gold is and it's garbage, but they just don't. But we just don't want to be poisoned, she said. Meanwhile, a bill in the Tennessee legislature would designate the stretch of the Duck River that includes the area along the Monsanto property, a class two scenic river, a state designation that includes prohibitions of certain developments along its banks, among them a landfill. Representative Scott Seppicke said the effort had nothing to do with any proposed plans along the river, but would simply extend the scenic designation already in place along parts of the Duck even further. That's my intent with this bill, he said, to protect water for future generations. There will be a public meeting this evening, March 13th at 6.30 p.m. at Williamsport United Methodist Church, located at 3606 Old Williamsport Road in Williamsport. On Friday, Columbia Academy held a grand opening for their new addition to Vest Hall. WKOM WKRM's Delk Kennedy attended the ribbon cutting and got to speak to Dr. James Thomas, president of Columbia Academy.
1: This is Delt Kennedy, Front Porch Radio. This morning I am at the Columbia Academy grand opening and ribbon cutting for its new addition to Vest Hall. We've just heard uh, their kindergartners sing uh, a great rendition of USA. Uh, all these children are very happy and smiling and bright. This campus and this building are beautiful. I'm speaking with Dr. James Thomas, who is president of Columbia Academy. Dr. Thomas,
2: congratulations. Thank you so much, Del. We're excited and blessed and happy to have a wonderful day. Tell us about the new addition. We have added five new classrooms, and we're going to renovate five others. And uh, we're excited about a new music room and new space for our students and our teachers.
1: My favorite part was seeing all the ukuleles for the students hanging on the wall.
2: We, uh, our art room was so, uh, we were so much out of room, we had to cut our art room in half, so our music room was really small, and now we've got this new space, it's clean, it's beautiful, it's big, we've got the ukuleles, we've got a great music teacher, and that's such an important part of education, is the, the arts, so our students are getting a great experience in that, and we're happy to have it. We can even have some small performances in there. Wow, it just looks all
1: so wonderful. Uh, Again, congratulations. This is Delp Kennedy at the grand opening and ribbon-cutting for the new addition to Vest Hall here on the beautiful Columbia Academy campus in downtown Columbia. Uh, Dr. Thomas, once again, congratulations.
2: Thank you so much, Delp. Appreciate you being here.
0: Linda Moore could tell something just wasn't right when she experienced a little shortness of breath that wouldn't go away. At first, she mentioned the problem to her cardiologist who couldn't pinpoint anything abnormal happening with her heart. He suggested she see a pulmonologist and was scheduled with Dr. J. Spencer Jensen, a board-certified specialist with Murray Regional Medical Group Pulmonary and Critical Care. During her appointment, as Moore and Dr. Jensen reviewed her medical history and condition, they discussed whether she could benefit from a low-dose computed tomography or CT lung screening. He said, I would be the perfect candidate, Moore said. A CT scan uses x-rays combined with a computer that allow a radiologist to see the bones and soft tissues within the body more clearly. Low-dose CT lung screenings are one of our most important tools in detecting lung cancer in its early stages, Dr. Jensen said. If we can catch it in its early stages, the survival rate is far higher. The sooner we can get a screening scheduled for patients who are candidates, the better, he said. Moore's first CT screening showed a spot of concern in the upper left lobe of her lungs, and Dr. Jensen suggested she get a positron emission tomography scan, or PET scan, which combines the use of a computer, camera, and a tracer to generate pictures of a precise location and extent of diseases such as cancer. Following PET scans, a biopsy was ordered from Moore and ultimately confirmed it was stage 1 lung cancer. She was referred to a thoracic surgeon who specialized in operating on organs inside the chest, including the lungs. Fortunately, the cancer was found in its earliest stages thanks to Moore's physician and her willingness to go through with a low-dose CT screening. The thoracic surgeon asked how in the world I found this, because you usually don't find stuff like that until it has progressed further, she said. I told her it was because of the low-dose screening. Moore underwent successful surgery in May of 2022 to remove the cancerous area, and her screenings since have all shown cancer-free results. She credits the low-dose CT screening for finding the cancer in such an early stage, making it easier to manage and treat. I've passed that along to some of my friends and family, that if you're eligible for those early screenings, just do it, Moore said. To qualify for a low-dose CT lung screening, patients must meet the following criteria. They should be 50 to 77 years of age, have no signs or symptoms of lung cancer, have a tobacco smoking history of at least 20 pack years, be a current smoker or one who has quit within the last 15 years, and receive a written order from your primary health provider. For those who don't meet the criteria, a self-pay CT screening of the chest and lung area is available without a physician's order at Murray Regional Health's outpatient imaging locations. Murray Regional Health's outpatient imaging locations also offer several other self-pay and self-schedule organ screenings that do not require a physician referral. These wellness screenings are convenient, affordable, and non-invasive, utilizing ultrasound or CT technology to scan various organs for stones cancers and heart issues as a lifelong southern middle tennessee resident she grew up in lawrence county and now lives in giles county Moore takes pride in being provided excellent care at murray regional health to be able to do the low dose ct screening at murray regional is really what convinced me to get it done she said i don't know if i would have gone anywhere else for the ct scan both me and my husband have been patients at murray regional and we appreciate everything they've done she said Murray Regional Health recommends all adults consult with their primary care provider about their cancer risk and the appropriate screenings to schedule. Some common screenings offered include those for breast, cervical, colorectal, lung, prostate, skin, and testicular cancers. For more information about cancer screenings at Murray Regional Health, visit www.murrayregional.com forward slash cancer screenings. Murray Alliance is kicking off their 2023 Breakfast with a Mayor series in Spring Hill with Mayor Jim Hageman. This series will feature a different mayor each quarter on their home turf for a question and answer session led by Murray Alliance President Will Evans. The event with Mayor Hageman will take place in the Dining Atrium at Worldwide Stages on Wednesday, March 22nd at 8 a.m. To submit a question or a topic in advance, you can email nperry, that's N-P-E-R-R-Y, at com. Tickets to the event are $20 for members and include breakfast. Hosted by Murray Regional Healthcare Foundation and presented by First Farmers and Merchants Bank, the annual Mule Kick 5K and One Mile Trot will take place Saturday, April 1st at Riverwalk Park in Columbia. Proceeds from the 2023 Mule Kick 5K and One Mile Trot provide funding for Murray Regional Health's Mobile Medical Unit, which delivers health care services to at-risk and underserved individuals throughout southern Middle Tennessee by providing basic health screenings, education, and resources. A portion of the proceeds from the Mule Kick 5K and One Mile Trot will also support the Foundation's Wellness and Aquatic Center Healthy Living Endowment and the Columbia Parks and Recreation Department. In addition, the Murray County School, with the most participation in the event, will receive a donation to their P.E. program from the Foundation. The Mule Kick 5K and One Mile Trot is a great tradition for both Murray County and the Murray Regional Healthcare Foundation that helps support our mission of providing important healthcare services for individuals who may not otherwise be able to obtain care, Foundation Executive Director Joe Kilgore said. We're excited to host the Mule Kick 5K and look forward to an exciting race, he said. On Saturday, April 1st, the race will begin at Riverwalk Park in Columbia with an 8 a.m. start time for the 5K and a 9.15 start time for the 1-mile trot. Both runners and walkers are encouraged to participate. Participants may register for the race online at www.runsignup.com forward slash 5K. To learn more about the Murray Regional Healthcare Foundation, the Mule Kick 5K and One Mile Trot, or to make a direct gift to support the Mobile Medical Unit Fund, you can visit www.murrayregional.com forward slash foundation. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mrs. Catherine Lindsay Bolton, 89, a resident of Trotwood Avenue, died Saturday at Brookdale. Funeral services for Mrs. Bolton will be conducted on Wednesday at 11 a.m. at First United Methodist Church in Columbia. Burial will follow in Polk Memorial Gardens. The family will visit with friends on Tuesday from 4 to 8 p.m. at the funeral home and on Wednesday from 10 a.m. until service time at the church. Mr. Virgil Haney, 87, a resident of Sunset Lane, died Saturday, March 11th, at his residence. Funeral services will be conducted Thursday at 1 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in Allen Cemetery in Caney Springs. The family will visit with friends on Wednesday from 5 to 8 p.m. at the funeral home. Ms. Grayson Carol Mabry, 55, retired counselor for J.E. Woodard Elementary, died Saturday, March 11th in Nashville. Funeral services for Ms. Mabry will be conducted on Thursday from 3.30 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in Polk Memorial Gardens. The family will visit with friends on Wednesday from 4 to 7 p.m. at the funeral home. Mr. Daryl Vinson, 69, a former resident of Columbia and a resident of Roswell, Georgia, died Tuesday, March 7th, in Georgia. Funeral services are incomplete at this time and will be announced later by Oaks & Nichols Funeral Home. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks & Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help, gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why the way you feel has always been so important to Susie and Tony Sowell.
2: When people come here, I hope they feel like they're working with a person who's just like family. And by the time they leave here, I hope they feel like they're a part of our family.
1: What I like most is when a family is leaving, they can say thanks. You made something we thought would be hard easier than we thought it would be. Not that we made it easy,
0: we made it easier. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have clouds giving way to mostly sunny skies today. The high will reach 48 degrees with winds out of the northwest at 10 to 15 miles per hour. Tonight, we can expect mainly clear skies and a low of 26 degrees. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family
3: First. My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too.
1: At Shelter Insurance...
3: Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia.
1: Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Group. Or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is
2: your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter. Like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090.
1: Hello friends, this is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home thank you seems appropriate for this time of year at tennessee children's home we have even more to be thankful for this year we have a new campus and have moved in we've been overwhelmed by the support you've given us to the move to the new campus please continue to support us as we try to pay off this debt please go to our website tennesseechildrenshome.org for more information this is brian king from tennessee children's home
0: Tennessee has lots of buried pipelines,
2: so it's important to know the signs of a leak, like if you smell unusual odors or hear hissing. Ew. See bubbling earth or water or dead or dying vegetation. Some signs are even harder to miss, like dirt being blown into the air, a frost ball in an open field, or a flame coming from the ground. If you see any of these signs, don't wait. Leave the area immediately and call 911 or your pipeline company. For more tips on pipeline safety, visit pipesafety.org. A message from the Tennessee Gas Association, Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station.
0: Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Governor Bill Lee is proposing sweeping changes to enhance school safety across Tennessee, requiring all K-12 through public schools to keep their exterior doors locked or risk losing escalating amounts of state funding with each violation. Legislation from the Republican governor introduced this week in several legislative committees also mandates several new safety-related drills when students aren't present tweaks training requirements for armed and unarmed campus officers, and requires new security features for school buildings constructed or remodeled after this July 1st. In addition, Lee wants more top law enforcement officials on the state's school safety team and proposes to transfer its oversight from the Department of Education to the Department of Safety, the agency responsible for Homeland Security and state troopers. The governor's proposal comes after the state fire marshal's office identified 527 unlocked exterior doors during inspections of about 1,500 Tennessee public schools this school year, according to state officials. Last June, Governor Lee signed an executive order directing Tennessee school leaders and law enforcement to work together to double down on existing school safety protocols after a deadly shooting in Texas where a gunman entered an elementary school through an unlocked door and killed 19 children and two teachers. Lee also promised Tennesseans that state troopers and local police would conduct more unannounced security inspections of schools to make sure entrances are locked to prevent unauthorized access. More than 20,000 doors have been checked so far, state officials said. Lee's plan would continue Tennessee's emphasis on fortifying its school campuses rather than reducing its number of firearms. Despite having one of the nation's highest rate of gun deaths, the state has enacted numerous laws under Lee's leadership to loosen requirements for gun ownership. In 2021, he signed a law allowing most Tennesseans 21 and older to carry handguns without first clearing a background check, obtaining a permit, or getting training on firearm safety. This year, however, the governor's administration is opposing several new bills from Republican lawmakers who want to loosen those regulations even further. The new safety legislation fulfills a promise Lee made at his state address last month. We've done a lot to make schools safer, he said, but I don't want to look up months from now and think we should have done more. His proposal, outlined in a 14-page amendment, would require schools to keep all external doors locked when students are present and to limit access through one secure primary entrance. The legislation authorizes state and local law enforcement officers to inspect doors and requires immediate actions to address any infractions. Written notifications describing violations must be sent within 24 hours to the school's administrators, district leaders, and parent-teacher association, and state officials in the Departments of Education and Safety. If a campus does not have a law enforcement officer on site and violates the locked-door requirements two or more times in a school year, local school officials would have to post a full-time officer there within 30 days of receiving notice and undertake a corrective action plan. If they do not comply, the legislation directs Tennessee's Education Commissioner to withhold 2% of its annual state funds, escalating by 2% for each subsequent violation, up to 10%. A campus that has a full-time officer faces similar financial penalties for its district or charter organization if it violates the locked-door requirements. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee today.
3: Columbia's own 7th Annual Mid-State Classic Collegiate Softball Tournament returns March 15th at the Ridley Sports Complex. Come see the Lady Volunteers face off against Austin P starting at 5.30 p.m. Opening game, Columbia State versus Motlow College at 1 p.m. Food trucks on site and parking is free. Tickets are $10 and sold exclusively online at columbiatn.com slash midstateclassic. Or check out the City of Columbia Parks and Recreation today. The Mid-State Classic, March 15th. See you at the game.
0: Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. The Steve Miller Band will be heading to Franklin this spring. First Bank Amphitheater announced the show on social media, stating, Just announced, Steve Miller Band, with very special guest Mavis Staples, coming to First Bank Amphitheater on April 30th. The 70s and 80s band recorded hits like Sailor, Fly Like an Eagle, and Abracadabra. They have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and the band leader, Steve Miller, is a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You can find tickets at www.ticketmaster.com. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOMWKRM Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe.